Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 14th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And Stephanie Cook. Hi. All right. So we are back with another episode of Talking Comics. I uh, had a good weekend this weekend. I went to Sleepy Hollow, which is here in New York. Um, Stephanie didn't know what that was when I told her about it, but wow. wait, wait, uh, what? She's heard of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I didn't under- I didn't know that it was like a real like, place. Like, yeah, well, no, I, I just didn't know that it was close to where you were and you could go to it. And- oh. That's not what you said no. in, it's, in, in your text <laughs> messages to me. Not. You said I didn't know it was a real place. Is what okay. you said? I guess okay. Washington Irving didn't cross the border. What what happened? Yeah, no, there's no. She's no Rip Van Winkle is either. But um, oh gee, it was a good time. The cem- they have a really uh, a huge cemetery there, and Washington Irving's actually buried there. And I think a Carnegie is buried there. There's like like a lot of, I guess, prestigious um, people from kind of the early ages of America there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Headless Horseman Bridge, as it was, it doesn't really stand anymore. But they have a marker there, and they kind of have a monument. And this is a really beautiful place uh, uh, to go, and um, really not expensive to go either because everything there is kind of you know. Park your car, walk around, and go. The there they did have a St. Patrick's Day parade there when I went up there on March what? Yeah, but that doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're going to have ones in April, on April fifteenth, probably. You know, when was the Patchog Patchog one last year? March, March like twenty eighth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was kind of a pain in the ass because I don't really know where I'm going in Sleepy Hollow, so I'd only know like go on the main road and take it to this place. <laughs> And so I had to park like a, a mile off of the main road and walk up this incredibly hill. It's so hilly. It's it's all hills. And so um, it, it was a little bit of an exhausting walk, but it was a good time. And then I had uh, lunch by the Hudson River, looking over the Tappan Zee Bridge. And Lovely. So it was very nice. It was very nice. Delicious sandwich, too, I got, I got to say. Which you made yourself. I made myself. Yeah, yeah roast beef. Um, Roast as- beast Asiago cheese Asiago Ah very nice um, uh, A little uh, avocado Ooh Uh-oh. getting fancy Yeah horseradish <laughs> sauce mm-hmm. um, Tomato Lettuce And instead of onions I cut up uh, shallots Put it on there Ooh. Really fancy now Yes they're very fancy oh, oh, Too good for onions Yeah too good yes. well, The good thing about shallots Is that they have the same Kind of intense flavor as onions But they don't really leave That same bad breath in your mouth, you don't. It's good for so you were planning, yeah. To sleep good for right. making out. I, I was there with my girlfriend. Okay, <laughs> I was thinking ahead, but um, yeah, no Limburger cheese on this sandwich. No, <laughs> and uh, garlic. No, no garlic. Exactly. Um, some salt and pepper, though. A little salt and pepper. Um, it's good to go. It's only about like an hour and ten minutes away from where we live, so it was it was a, it was a fun, relaxing weekend. Um, Stephanie, how was your weekend? Well, I went to um, the first of like 
five Toronto Comic Cons here. Ooh. And uh, it was it was a good time. I, I wandered around. It got a bit crowded. There was a lot of cosplayers since, you know, it's it's been picking up a lot of steam in the last few years. And pretty well, I think anyone who's not in costume at this point is kind of the ones that stick out. Mm. <laughs> so what did you go as? I didn't go as anything. That's so, oh. I, I just sort of. Boo. Yeah. yeah. Boo. I know. I went as. Uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. I was going to make something up, but. Gwen no. Stacy, you could have just thrown a name out there. You already told us you didn't go as anything. It's not like you were, you were, you were constructing an elaborate <laughs> lie. You said, I didn't go as anything. I went as. Uh, uh, good, Stephanie. But did, who, well, did, who did you see there? Whoa. Um, well, there wasn't too many like celebrities and stuff like that. Charisma Carpenter was there. Awesome. Edward Furlong. Oh, wow. Um, Out of rehab, I guess. Yeah, I I kept running into him everywhere too. Like I would go wander outside the halls and stuff and he'd be like chilling having a coffee and I'd be like, "Oh, Edward <laughs> Furlong. Hey." Like I loved you in The Crow 3. <laughs> You're so great in that movie that you were in like 12 years ago. You totally don't need to wear those sunglasses because no one recognizes you. Just saying. He is John Connor. Let's yeah. be fair. Yeah, but he doesn't really look the same. So, I mean, maybe right. if he still looked like, you know, a kid. A 10-year-old boy. <laughs> Charisma Carpenter, however, mm -hmm. looks exactly the same. Like, exactly. She's um, a sexy lady. She's gorgeous. And then Tia, Tia Carrera was there Ooh. from oh. Wayne's World. Schwing. She will Schwing. be mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> she will be mine. Who else? Um, oh, the dude from Warehouse 13, Eddie Mc, McClintock. The I, two I dudes know. from Revenge of the Nerds were there. He How was could there you not and nobody them. was there to see him. Did you go up cool. to him and tell him that I love him? I didn't. <laughs> which, which nerds kid? The the main guy, the um Carradine. Robert Carradine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Carradine wow. and then the guy that played Booger. Oh, it's the nerd. Curtis yeah. Armstrong. Yeah. And um who else? As far as like comic book guests, um George Perez Perez. Big. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. That's really big. He was there, but the lineup was ridiculously long. Mm -hmm. He was set up beside um actually a friend of mine. So I kind of gotta like look at what he was doing and kind of eavesdrop on like Muscled what was going in. on while I sort of talked to my friend but mm -hmm. um I didn't get a like chat with him because there was like hundreds of people lined up I did get a talk to at the very 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 end of everything uh Phil Yamines who um we'll get to a bit later I believe who oh yeah yeah because he, he he did the art for Ferris <laughs> yes Which, sorry how did you pronounce his name Jimenez 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 is that how it's pronounced Jimenez probably Jimenez. I would say Jimenez, Jimenez or Jimenez or Jimenez, Jimenez right no Jimenez it's not Jimenez it's, it's not Jimenez, Jimenez. No, it's Jimenez. Jimenez it definitely is yeah I'm so confused <laughs> we can all trust Stephanie on her name pronunciations yes Listen here. Hey, when I was on Man Cave, I got like everything down pat. I was yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, you did. But Crossover. they were all, they were all celebrities. They were, Still, was like, you Tom guys asked for my Cruise. expertise on John. What's his name? Oh, the guy from the artist. Well, because his name is French. Exactly. Well, you know, French. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyways, and uh, Mr. Jeff Lemire was there too, right? He was, but he did only. Like, I don't think he was on the floor anywhere. He just did a Q&A. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to check that out, which bummed me out. But, you know, next time. He he lives in Toronto, so I'm sure 
he'll be oh, at pretty well all I the see. comic cons. And there's another festival, I think, in April. There's mm. Wizard World in April. Oh, and then there's another yeah. one called the Comic Arts Festival. Okay. And I'm 99% sure he's going to that. So, you know, oh. hopefully I'll get to check out him in person there. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have just kind of ran past George Perez's booth and been like, Superman is shitty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Hit> run. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's leaving that book now. Oh, Andy Kubert, I think, is sticking over. Um, okay. So that's cool. Um, did anybody else have anything go on this weekend? Journey. Oh, right. You played Journey. I did. Little video Ooh. game talk. Yes. Okay. That game company. It is wonderful. Makers of Flower and yes. Flow. And Cloud. Their earliest game. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, you're just saying words now. You're yeah, one no, word. no, no, it's a real thing. <laughs> Flower. Um, I, I wholly endorse uh, anyone that has a PlayStation Plus network uh, pass. The game is available now for $14.99. Mm. Uh, you get an exclusive theme packaged with that. The game is absolutely spectacular, and I'm just going to call it now that it's going to show up on our end-of-the-year lists mm-hmm. uh, when we do them. I would not be surprised if it didn't make it into like near the top mm-hmm. um, until I play something better besides Diablo three. If it happens this year, <laughs> um, it will be my game of the year. Just mm-hmm. even though it was only two hours, it was the most invigorating two hours that I've had playing a video game in a very long time. And you can it has a lot of replayability, right? You can you can replay it. Yeah, well that's the thing. Like it they they do definitely steer you in a direction, mm-hmm. so it's hard to get lost. Um but they encourage you to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the features is and I didn't know what was going on. I was actually a little confused at first, but um, I'll just clue everybody in. When you see another cloaked character roaming around in the world, you're actually linked to a network. You're online with Mm -hmm. other people. You can actually travel the game with another person if you choose. Right. Um, I didn't know that's what the deal was when I was playing it. Um, So I thought that this was kind of like almost like a shadow character, like showing me where I needed to go. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of pissing me off at first because it was doing all the puzzles for me. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, I was going to, you know, I was just about to make my way over to that. (laughs) And then I come to find out that it's actually another person playing along with me. And um, this is not a spoiler, but at the end of the game, they give you a chart of all the people that you encountered and all the names. Mm -hmm. Um, There's an achievement for going through the game with X amount of people. Mm. And um, it tells you how many secrets you uncovered. Oh, cool. And I didn't find anything. Gotcha. So, you know, but that's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. So the nuts and bolts of the game, let's go flower. You're playing a flower petal and you're kind of... No, it's flower. No, I'm saying I'm saying in flower. Oh yeah, I'm saying in flower. You're playing a flower. You're playing a flower petal, and you're kind of bringing color and life back to this world. And that's the point of the game. What is kind of the without getting spoilery? What's the point of journey? Like, what are you doing? Uh, to you're what you're doing is you're you're traveling. Uh, you start out in a desert, mm-hmm. and you're you're traversing these lands, and you're basically collecting these talismans. Okay. Um, for each level that you you make it you you make it to the net, to the end of the level you basically get like a little cutscene of uh, characters that actually reminded me a little bit of um, Scott Snyder's um, the Owls the the Court, oh, yeah. the court of oh. the Owls <laughs> and um, I I gotta be honest with you I am not a hundred percent as to what was going on okay. in the game mm-hmm. um, their games always have like a very 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 um, 
in-depth like meaning to them mm-hmm. you know um like bring um flower was all about like bringing about nature and respecting mm-hmm. you know the the way things flow and so on and so forth this is more of like a gathering of worlds and a, a gathering of of light and dark kind of thing Interesting. um but i mean it's for a game where all you essentially do is walk mm-hmm. like seriously that is really about all you do right it is amazing mm-hmm. The graphics. If you have an HD television, you're gonna, if you like, you it, it paid for itself mm-hmm. by playing this game. The third level, in particular, I won't say what it is. The third level was my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's a constant moving level. Was all I'll say. Have fun. Awesome. I'm, I'm gonna replay it when I get home. I'm really excited to play. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Um, Flower was one of my favorite games. It was worth the wait. Oh, it great. took a long time to come out. It was well worth it. Awesome. Amazing. Um, Bobby, do you anything fun this weekend? Nope. No? Nope. No, okay. Move on. So Moving let's on. move on then. <laughs> um, just real quick, last week we had mentioned um, Marvel Infinite Comics and kind of ah, we were yes. wondering what it was and all this other stuff. And um, at South by Southwest this week, they at the Screen Burn Arcade, they premiered this, well, what Marvel Infinite Comics is. And it's basically um, digital side stories that will go hand in hand with their print um, counterparts, and by print I mean both. I mean the things that are made for print that are also in like your Comicsology store, like you know Avengers of X Men number one. Whether you buy it in the store or you buy it on Comicsology, is the same comic, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, Marvel Infinite Comics is this, this. They're starting with AVX. They're going at AVX number one Infinite, and it's going to be a, a side story written by Mark Wade. Um, who writes Daredevil right now and is a great writer. And it's going to take advantage of the digital format in ways that these other books aren't. So it's going to be more interactive. It's going to flow differently. It's going to um, it's going to be presented uh, d- differently. And you'll get this free with your purchase of either the digital or the print version of the mainline comic. Um, it'd be very interesting because it, I, th- I feel like it's Marvel's first foray and they're really taking the lead now, it seems, in the digital space being like, Okay, we understand that this is something, and it doesn't have to be the same exact thing. It's much like there are magazines on the iPad, right? There are some magazines that are just basically PDF scans of magazines, but then there are magazines that have interactive articles. They have videos built into the articles. You can you mess with the images. They, they, they take advantage of their space, and this is what it seems this is going to be. Um, they've also announced that all of their best-selling $3.99 superhero books, which is their higher-end books, are going to come with free digital copies if you buy them in print. Um, previously, you, there was it was always more expensive if you wanted to have the the, the digital copy version. But now, much like what home video has been doing for years, they're going to get grab onto that sort of um, way of thinking. Um, Bob, what do you think about these two developments? Well, I think the best thing about it is that they're not abandoning print. Mm-hmm. In that they're saying to people, okay, if you're going to buy the book, you get the digital content. Right. So it's not as if, okay, those people who still want to go and hold it and smell it and all those other things, mm-hmm. it, it's there. <laughs> right. Well, no, there's something about picking up a new book, that smell of ink yeah. on the paper I and agree, all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. like someone agrees with me. They're being laughed at hysterically. <laughs> he, no, he, no. he buys all his books. No, <laughs> I just, no, I, I, I equate that to uh, what we call the, the new game smell. Yeah. When okay. you open up a brand new video game and it's the got plastic. that plasticky yep. sweet mm-hmm. smell to it and you're just like, <sighs> yeah, <sighs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
I think it's a it's a great idea for them to leap forward. It isn't just a replication of the print. Mm -hmm. It's something new. My only concern is that new story. It's Nova, I think, which they're going to use as a... a they're using of, Nova, yes, right. as a, like an interstitial character. And he's going to be a very big character, according to what I've read. Yeah. Will that story see print somewhere down the road for those of us who don't digitally read books? I'd, say probably, I'd say probably not. You know, I'd say that the, the only thing is that they'll probably make it available to be interacted with on a computer. So if you really wanted to, even though that's not the best way to read a digital comic, mm -hmm. if you buy Avengers vs. X-Men, you get the code for it regardless. Okay. So I think if you go maybe on Comixology's website or Marvel's website, right. you might be able to view it there. I don't think they've really said that completely, but I'm pretty sure it has to do with – pretty sure it's at iOS, Android, Mac, PC, all those different oh, – So it's all the platforms, basically. Yeah, okay. all the platforms, yeah. So you can at least look, look in on it, you know. Um, uh, Steve, what do you think of this? Because you buy your books – print-wise, right? Just like you buy movies, right? But do you like the fact that when you buy some movies, you get digital copies? Does that matter to you? What do you it doesn't matter to me at all. Okay. Um, it really doesn't. I don't. I don't watch anything. Um, I, I've never once taken a digital code or copy of anything hmm. and put it on anything. Interesting. Okay. Um, it just doesn't. I buy like I. I would rather buy the Blu-ray DVD combo mm -hmm. than because then I can lend it to a friend, right? If they want, if they don't have a Blu-ray player. Mm -hmm. um, but the digital stuff, I really don't. Um, I don't invest my time in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have my my tablet for um, you know review copies and such, but uh, beyond that, I don't really look into it. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about I like about it is that. So let's say, like, I'm going on a trip to Boston this weekend, and I'm, I'm taking the bus, I'm taking the bolt bus out of, out of New York, and um, maybe I don't want to carry a stack of comp like a stack of Marvel comic books with me. You know, I don't want to carry 15 comics with me, but if I get digital codes for all of them, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just stick them on my, I'll download them on my iPad, and then I'll have them all on my iPad at one mm -hmm. time. You know, and I think for, I, I think especially for collectors, it's an interesting situation because you can now collect a book and still read it, and not have to buy two copies of the book if yeah, that's the kind of once, yeah. collector you are, you know. I like the idea of this. It's about the. It's not about the delivery method. It's about the product in general, you know. And it kind of being more modern about the way you think about. Just because they bought it print doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to have it digitally. Because what's the difference, you know? Um, Stephanie, what what do you think? I think it's great. I mean, if you use the code, you know, good on you. If you don't. You know, that's your choice. But this is also a nice way for people who, you know, are curious about digital, but much more fond of owning something mm -hmm. physically mm -hmm. to take a sort of gander at what it's like to read it on a digital platform. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's great. I mean, like Steve, I don't really use my digital copies on movies very often, although I do have like films like Coraline and 500 Days of Summer and a couple others on my computer so that I can, you know, watch them if I have to go somewhere. But mm. I mean, I don't generally use them, but it's still nice to have the option. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And one of the, especially now as the technology gets a little bit more uh, forward, you know, I have an Apple TV, which is a little streaming box and it links right up to my iTunes when I have my computer open. And so if I have 10 movies on my computer, I can just scroll through them. Like, okay. I want to watch, 500 Days of Summer, for instance, because I also have that digital copy on my computer. Um, <laughs> you click any, I can watch it. I don't have to get up. I don't have to put a disc in. I don't have to worry about disc getting scratched. I don't have to worry about taking up shelf space if I don't want to. You know, and I, I think that having a digital bookshelf in, in now tandem, Marvel is saying, okay, we understand that print is still important, but 
we also understand that digital is slowly creeping into at least relevancy at this point. And we need to kind of get on board or get left behind. And I well, think, I think oh, sorry. Sorry. no, no, Stephanie, go ahead. I think too, like, I mean, this is kind of a really safe move for them in the sense that, you know, if physical copies do become, you know, obsolete in the next few years, it is getting, like I said, it's getting people, it's giving the chance to check out digital copies, but it's also getting people used to them too. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's preparing for the future. Mm-hmm. Now, DC's version of this is you buy one or the other? Yeah, DC only has a couple. I think Justice League and maybe Action, I think, are the only two books that have a digital copy option. But those are more expensive. Like, you have, like I think it's four ninety nine for each of those to get the digital oh, copy with them. So they're hitting you an extra buck above the cover price. Yeah, above the cover price for a uh, edition that costs them nothing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, this is Marvel's way. I think of being like, okay, DC, you did this reboot, you did this, you did this. Now we're doing these things. And our product was stronger than your product before you rebooted. So if we do these things, you know, you're going to be left behind again. You know, and I think that's what their idea is. DC better watch out. DC better watch out. The problem is DC finally did something. They were like, okay, we're going to switch this up, and it worked. They have the top ten selling books for the last since they rebooted this the universe. Top ten selling books of the month have been DC every month. But Marvel is still bringing them in money because their books are more expensive. So it's an interesting, it's interesting to kind of yeah, that's going share is better for them. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, DC is going to obviously get on the bandwagon and compete with this soon, or hopefully. You would think. I mean, you would think they would also do it with their film division too, but they have never <laughs> quite gotten that. Uh, you know, Superman uh, and Batman over and over and over and over again. Yep, exactly. So okay, fair um, enough. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, DC is an odd company. I, I feel like sometimes, I, I feel like they don't have a, a good a grasp on what mainstream world needs as far as like getting into comic books, you know? I feel like this reboot was a really good idea, but I feel like they're already starting to inch away from it, you know? And we'll I'll have to see what happens with that. But do they have is sorry, this is just quickly about DC, yeah. but is the most of the staff there, like um the higher ups, are they mostly like from the older days or do they have any new blood in there? Do you know? Younger. They're younger, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeff Johns is the chief creative officer. Jim Lee. Jim Lee's so a publisher. 30s and, 30s and 40s? 30s and 40s, yeah. I mean, Jeff Johns has only really come to prominence in the last 10 years as far as a comic book writer goes, really. Um, well, that he, seems interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have a, and Jeff Johns kind of heads up both divisions, too. It was supposed to kind of streamline their process, right? It's supposed to be one guy is ahead of DC Entertainment, and he's going to be like comics and movies and kind of bridge the gap between the Warner Brothers end and the DC end, and it just hasn't yet seemed to come together, you know, but we'll have to see. Um, so that's it for a little bit of news I want to get through. I just think that's important stuff to talk about, but uh, let's get on to our book of the week. Um, Steve, tell Bobby. us about Ferrist. Ferrist, Ferrist is uh, finally out. It's been uh, several months since, uh, probably a little while, longer than that, this was announced. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, everyone knows, or if you don't know, this was... Uh, Characters were taken from the pages of Fables by uh, Bill Willingham and uh, art by Phil, what was it, Stephanie? <laughs> Jimenez. <laughs> Jimenez. Jimenez. Jimenez, whatever. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, what Ferris is, is it's the story. It's supposed to be, is, is this some kind of contest? Something's going to happen with all the all the girls of, uh, of the fairy tale world. Anyway, 
The thing what? that, the, yeah, I know. The reason why I'm, I am, I am confused, and the reason that I'm confused is because the book was not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, all the promotion for the book has been about the girls and about the women, and I guess that I expected to have the book start with them. Mm-hmm. And I was um, honestly, I was a little thrown to have opened up the book and to find out that pretty much up until the the very last page it's a story about uh alibaba who's the prince of thieves he goes into a ruined city and he uncovers a uh imp inside of a bottle believing mm-hmm. it to be the genie's uh genie's lamp or you know a, a gin caught inside mm-hmm. the bottle grant him three wishes um i really liked the imp i thought the imp was funny it was funny yeah. um I loved the the bits about him talking about inside of the lamp and all the different things that he owns. That he's got like a Dolby surround um, sound yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, Firefly season. Yeah, yeah, it's six. Firefly <laughs> season six. And didn't bother to watch the seventh because it went downhill. Yeah, yeah. So I like. I've never. Um, I've never read much. I read the first volume of Fables, and that's about my only, which was the the rose red murder mystery. Um, that was my only clue into what the the fables universe was about so this in my opinion is probably the best jumping on point seeing as they're into like their 114th yeah something yes. issue of fables and there's all there's another uh jack of trades is a uh, another uh spinoff of that yeah. mm-hmm. there's Cinderella. yes yeah, cinderella is another one uh and now we have fairest which is like as I mentioned, Alibaba finds the uh, the imp, and they're actually being pursued by a wooden soldier or a, mm-hmm. a, a wooden uh, you know fighter of some sort. Mm-hmm. The thing about Ferris that makes it uh, really really cool is that you can already tell that there's going to be lots of like magic, lots of creatures, um, timeless characters that you've known forever are going to be showing up. Alice, Thumbelina, Snow White the white queen. And I don't want to spoil too much about what goes on in the book, but it's basically, it's a good introductory setup issue is what it is. Like Mm. I said, I was kind of thrown a little bit when I found out that the whole book was going to be leading up to where the girls come into the picture. But the whole, the whole idea is that the girls need to be woken up that this imp has plans and he wants them back in circulation as he calls it. Mm. So they're, uh, they're they're go- I guess they're going to be a part of a much much bigger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a much bigger uh, situation. I don't know what else to call it. I've had a little uh, bit of a loss for words. Stephanie, will you have anything to say? I was just about to say it's funny because I didn't read the book until this week either. I picked it up at Comic Con so I could have Phil Yamina's sign it. <laughs> and um, Seven but basically, the person who was in front of me at the like the booth that was selling, well, one of the booths that was selling comics, there was a woman with her boyfriend or husband, and he was looking at Ferris, and she's like kind of just over his shoulder, and she's like, why does it have so many girls in it? This looks like a girl block. <laughs> and I like after the impression. reading it, I'm kind of wondering what she was smoking, because yeah. yeah. this is there's no girls in this until like, the very end and mm-hmm. I don't think it gives off a girly vibe at all aside from maybe the cover which she wasn't looking at <laughs> so I don't know well, it, it's it's fantastic though I really enjoyed it and I w- it wasn't what I was expecting but I do want more well that's the thing is that it wasn't it wasn't what I expected but I still enjoyed it very much and I think that it, it is a very good issue 
that people that are looking to get into the Fables universe, it's the most obvious thing to jump into right now. Right. So, I mean, I haven't read any of Fable, so I had I had no idea what to, what to expect uh, picking think, up the book. I don't think it has anything really. Like, I have I've only read a few of the volumes of Fable. I have all of them, but to me, it just seems to be sort of a spinoff in the sense that it's the same people and it's just sort of you know right a different story like i i mean gotcha but i, I had no idea like what the tone was gonna be like I, I have never read any of bill williams writing before so i didn't have any preconceived notions going into the book about like what i was going to be getting myself into you know i know there's three girls on the cover and you know it's called ferris which obviously has fairy tale implications in in many ways um I found the kind of uh, attitude and wit of the book to be very kind of enthralling and very interesting. And I was, I thought it was very funny and I thought it was, it's trial that nice line between being self-referential and being referency to pop culture stuff while still staying true to a, a narrative story. You know, I didn't use them as a crutch, use them to kind of fill in character in the universe, which I really liked a lot. And, um, I, I liked this idea of this wooden soldier chasing him and, you know, it, it's, you know, you take away all like the frills and what's going on is it, it, in all, like all great fantasy or science fiction stories is, is simple, right? It's just guy trying to get here to do this. And you know exactly what he's trying to do from pretty much the beginning of the story to the end of this story. Um, and that sort of like commitment to direction and tone I think is great and adding in all that other stuff on top of it just makes it that much more interesting to me. You yeah. know that the, the all the fairy tale stuff to me is just is this is great icing on a really solidly written story, which I was really excited to read it because I I, I did not know what to expect and I thought it was great. Well, I, it's, oh, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say it's obvious that um they've obviously had time to to craft this kind of tone mm-hmm. that now that they have Ferris coming out that it is brand new and it is it is it is it's oh my god, I can't talk. <laughs> it is its own thing. Yeah. That because they have such a pedigree from doing a hundred plus issues of the other thing, like mm-hmm. now you're getting like the the really really well tuned version of of like a starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because I didn't feel I didn't feel like I was missing anything at all reading it. Yeah, you know, and I felt like I could I could follow everything that was going on. I understood as, long as I knew who Alibaba was. I knew I understood like the idea of what a genie was. And, you know, all other stuff. I, I liked it. Bob, you're gonna well, say something. Well, I just thumbed through it really quickly. Yeah, as we're looking, the art of course is great. Yeah, I mean he and he he did Wonder Woman for a few years, wrote and drew it. Okay. So the whole he's got some he's got the Parthenon hanging out there. He yeah. draws great ruins, mm-hmm. let's just say. But people too, very expressive. Mm-hmm. You, you you just know what's going on, despite some interesting layouts. The geography's all there. It could have very easily with this M thing been a, a an Aladdin sort of knockoff. Right. Yeah. But it, it very quickly goes away from that. He's a very snide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting little character who I guess we'll see issue two, three, what his real agenda yeah. is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Which isn't where it, it's beginning, it seems yeah. like. Um, it was, it was a great, I thought it was a great read. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really great read. See if you have anything else to say about it before we move on? No, I think I'm done. You think you're done? <laughs> <laughs> um, can't talk. Uh, Bob, what do you got for us this week? Sure, I'm. It's the Huntress, the miniseries that just concluded, which I wasn't picking up, even though it's one of my favorite characters. Mm. 
because it just seemed like another, they were going to throw this away. I had heard it's the lead-in to Earth 2 okay. and World's Finest. Mm-hmm. Went, okay, where are we going to head? Now, The Huntress was created as an Earth 2 character back in 79. Paul Levitz, who's writing this, and Joe Staten for All-Star Comics, and she's the daughter of Catwoman and Batman. Okay. Uh, becomes a superheroine when a mob boss ha- draws Catwoman back into the life. She gets murdered and goes after her. And that goes for some some bit a while. Then for Earth One, she's the daughter of a, of a mafia chieftain mm-hmm. who then her family gets killed. She's a real vigilante. She murders people with a crossbow and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now, this character is somewhere in between. Okay. We don't really know which one he is, though her passport says Bert Nelly, but she makes reference to constantly being not sure of who she is okay. anymore. Though she does mention on one page how she's a cat person. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just for phone. What it is, we have six issues here of what seems like a James Bond pre-credit sequence. <laughs> it is all spy stuff and great vistas in, in Italy, and it's about a... An Arab, Middle Eastern leader, an Arab leader seeking asylum from a mafia boss, and he's engaging in white slavery. Hmm. Lots of interesting, cool stuff happening, some really neat artwork, and we get to the end of issue six here. I, there, there are too many surprises. I'm very bad at being spoilery, so I'm just going to okay. shut up. Okay. But we get to the end of six, and we directly tease World's Finest. Interesting. I read, I, I read the first uh, two issues... And I wasn't impressed. Did it get better? Yes. Good. I'm going to have to read it then. If it leads into these 52 books that are going to be coming out. It's then... only a page or two. Okay. But it's okay. It, 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 it's a relationship that was going on in the old all-star comics things in the 70s, mm-hmm. continued through some of these other ones, and it's, it was very out of left field. Interesting. Interesting. You, you've got to love old-style comics to love this i think okay it, it's it's very much in that old vein because paul levitz goes way back with dc into the early 70s okay interesting i didn't think you said that because um the book that came out a couple weeks ago justice league uh number six and it, it finally wrapped up this first kind of like pre-justice league story that was happening and um there's a review on the site on tonkongbooks.com and I, I didn't love it but the the ending of the book there's a backup written by johns but and it basically rejoins the story of who the woman in red is, who we saw in all the number ones of, uh, of the new 52 ah. and who she is and what she's doing. And, um, it, you know, that is, uh, is going to lead directly into the next run of 52 books. And also I think has a lot to do with what's going on with all these, like the new 52 book and the world's finest, I mean the new uh, earth two earth book two. and the world's finest book, because there's stuff in the actual justice league book proper where, you know, um, Darkseed, you know, he has all these dimensional portals and Cyborg is kind of hacking one of his his devices that opens these portals and he says, you know, I can see hundreds of worlds stacked on top of each <laughs> other. You know, the thing. So, and plus the woman in red kind of talking about, you know, basically I did this thing. I changed the world for the better. You know, and if you, if you read Flashpoint, you know that that's what she did, but you finally know who she is at this point. And... It's interesting how they again what I talked about before though how they're kind of backing off the yeah. the reboot. They're saying, "Okay, yes, this whole all this other stuff did happen, but we just kind of tweaked it with this character. So at any point, if she wanted to, maybe she could untweak it, you know." So Well, they sort of untweaked it with 52. Wasn't the yeah. idea of 52 worlds? Right, yeah. 
Yeah. Which they then blew up again for Flashpoint. Yeah. But then unblew up now with yeah. the woman in red. Yeah. Well, the point of Flashpoint was they brought together all the, like, I think with the Wildstorm, like, run of, of comics, which I think began a couple of years ago. That was like, an, like a splinter universe and mm-hmm. stuff that was all condensed into one universe. But it's interesting that the to read these kind of ends of runs and see how they're going to start. They're kind of foreshadowing to the future yes. of the DCU. You know, um, uh, on the back of that, I uh, I want to talk quickly about Animal Man number seven and Swamp Thing number seven, and um, these are two books that we've been talked about a lot, and they're by two writers that obviously we all love very very much, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and both books this this past week really um, kind of cemented themselves as being able to keep up the level of quality have kept up through their first arc. So they both have started kind of their, their sec, their new arcs, you know, their, their second volumes as you, as you would say, um, uh, animal man, because we start to see glimpses of a kind of really bad future coming for buddy Baker. If he can't figure out a way to protect his family and stay alive and how the animal man is very interesting because the rot, the, this, Bad guy in both Swamp Thing and Animal Man has is is starting to win. It's starting to win. It's mm. taken over a lot of the animal population, yeah. and you're getting it's almost zombie movie like this setup because you get these you know buddies in a convenience store and you hear over the over the, like, the news report that there's been reports of strange animal attacks in these places and you see these little snippet scenes of unrelated people getting attacked by these animals and the situation is very dire and and Lemire has been pouring on this idea that Buddy cannot beat the stuff that's coming after him. He can't do it. You know, and I think oh. it's making what's going to be a very satisfying, you know, redemption for that character to be able to probably do what he needs to do to protect his family. Um, when, great thing about Animal Man 2, and I think that, Steve, you've been reading it too, yeah. uh, you have this issue yet, but you, but he, do, he does the family dynamic so well it's just as enthralling and interesting as the crazy like horrific things that travel foreman illustrates in the book these there's this moment in the the camper in issue seven where they're just bickering about which way to go like how best to get to the place they need to get and it feels like you know you say you always love slice of life books yeah it feels like that it feels like any slice of life book you could possibly read um and swamp thing all i'll say about swamp thing is that the moment that everybody's been waiting for for like seven issues now, it finally happens. And when it happens, I literally out loud went, oh, hell yeah. Like when it <laughs> happened. Um, it's great. And Snyder, you know, knocks out of the park. And it's this, he's really done a great job of making Alec this character who's struggling to whether or not he should become this thing again you know whether he becomes the monster again you know and whether what it means and what he be giving up and can he you know it's like scott talked about in the show a couple uh you know a month ago or so when he was on which is that um he's fighting this the green yes is a better force than the rot but they still the green still wants to have ownership of the world they want to conquer the world yeah i always thought that was a little strange and alec has to decide like can he have the restraint as this being to not be an agent of this other thing taking over, you know, and it's just it, it, it's masterful comic writing, and it and it, both of those series are things that everybody should be reading. Um, now we're gonna end with Stephanie here with book of the week because she's talking about a book that's actually coming out today. It's on store shelves right now. 
Um, and it's Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. So, Stephanie, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so I guess uh, the first things first is uh, I want to tell you a little bit what it's about. Um, good luck. <laughs> what? I said good luck. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> where to really start? Hmm. Okay, well, it's, it, it's sort of this uh, – well, no, it is a love story, and basically – um, it's sort of Romeo and Juliet-ish in the sense that um, these two people that fall in love are from uh, literal opposite worlds, sort mm. of. Sort of. Sort of. Literal. Yeah. Literal, no. sort of. It's literal. Anyways, they're from, they're from different worlds. And yeah. uh, basically, they, they come together in this sort of unexpected relationship and um, they defy everything that their people believe in and um they have a baby together Um, yeah and since they're from other worlds you know she has wings and he has horns and they make this winged horned baby and um it's this really interesting story because it's this mix of a love story and it's this mix of a war story and then you've got this whole dynamic where um, Fiona Staples, who is absolutely brilliant, is sort of narrating the story off to the side from the baby's point of view. But, wow. you know, sort of in the past or in her future. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's like she's telling the story as because at one point in the book, she says that she does get to grow old. Yeah. And yes. This is thanks her to these time. two. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, the narrative from the baby. It's one of my favorite aspects of the of the issue. Yeah, and it's just this really interesting story. And, I mean, it's been done before, but everything's been done before. And the key with things that, you know, if you're going to have a successful ongoing series, is making it your own and making it interesting and making it an amazing read. Mm-hmm. And um, that's exactly what Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples do. And... Um, for those of you who have listened to the podcast before, you'll know that I love the shit out of Brian K. Vaughn's writing. <laughs> it's true. So, I mean, I said this on a review, which is online at talkingcomicbooks.com. But, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had to get that in there. Um, Fiona Staples is the draw to this book. She almost tells the story, like, words don't even need to be used almost. Like, she just does such a great job of bringing this to life and the facial expressions and the colors she uses. It's phenomenal. I, I don't know what else to really say about it. It's, I mean, there's a lot to absorb in this first issue. Like there's just so much going on and you're trying to figure out who everyone is and where they're coming from and, you know, what's going to happen, but it's definitely going somewhere good. Can I say something? Yeah, of course. No, no thank you. <laughs> um, I know. I'd some. I mean, some people might not be into it. I thought the language of the uh, of the book was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I I didn't know that it was going to be. Um, I guess I didn't do enough research. I didn't realize it was going to be as adult themed mm-hmm. as it is. Like when she's having the baby and she's like, oh, she's like, I yeah, shit myself. I'm going <laughs> to shit myself. Yeah. I'm just looking at that. As yeah, well. and, and then she's like, I hope you're not into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her their relationship, the the playfulness that they have with one another. Um, 
I found to be very endearing and I liked, I liked the two main characters right off the bat. Um, I like that the, I like the, the world that this is set in. I mm-hmm. like the fact that we're seeing already in the first issue, there's so many like creatures mm-hmm. walking around and they all look different. Yeah. There's going to be like, you know, tons of different, uh, I would assume lots of different races and lots of different, uh, just all these different entities within this universe. That's going to be almost like a, like a traffic stop for mm-hmm. all these different, uh, you know, universes and such. And, uh, I like the scale of it. Mm-hmm. I think the, the scale of it's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that, like, to admit amidst all this chaos that's going on at the heart of it, it's almost this sort of romantic comedy where they spend um, Marco and Alana, who are the two main characters, they spend this whole time basically trying to come up with a name for their baby. Yeah. And the banter between them and just sort of, we're never going to decide on a name for this baby, are we? Right. Is just, it's just a lot of fun. And the baby's already decided one for herself. Yeah. I do think is, it's funny. The, the, it's important to note, like you said, they're from opposite worlds. Um, these are two also warring worlds, and they're they're mortal blood enemies. So and it's it's almost like, um, but they're not like uh, it's. It wouldn't be. Uh, they're, they're completely different races. Like yeah. someone mentions that they didn't even think it was possible for them to have a baby together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the cool thing, I, one of the ideas I really like about the story is that. Um, they decided that they they weren't going to fight on their own worlds anymore because they were destroying all their natural resources and destroying their worlds. So they've kind of spread their war out to the entire galaxy and it's affecting all these other worlds. And there's like territories that they're each trying to control and go away. And I like the dichotomy between kind of her world is very scientific and his world is much more magic focused. They're, they're a magical race, right? I like that idea. Um, I think the interaction between the two characters is great. Um, and the whole thing gave me a little bit of a dune kind of vibe to it because there's a very complicated political structure and these different tiers of people and these different races and this really weird stuff happening. My only gripe with the book is simply that I think it sort of sags under the weight of its own minutia at points. I feel like issue one has almost too much information in it for its own good. Uh, I feel like you get... The, the the amount of stuff you get about the uh, the the political machinations of the worlds you know and the, there are these these ambassadors with these TVs for heads and, and stuff yeah. which are all Who really are those people yeah which are all interesting characters but I felt like I, Prince Robot the Fourth yeah I felt like no matter how much how many times I reread a page I was always missing something and not in that good way where it's like if I go back again and read it I'll find this thing every time I felt like I was almost reading a uh, a book that was like written in code that I'm waiting for the cipher for. Like I feel like later issues will fill in and kind of fill out what's happened in this book. But that was my only issue. I, I would read it and you know I would go from page to page and kind of be like, okay, but what all this all these words were on this page and all this stuff happened, but what really happened on this page? You know, and I felt it- like sometimes I got bogged down in that. That was my only problem. It definitely could have benefited from maybe being spread out a little bit, like maybe mm-hmm. focused on Alana and Marco a little bit more in this first issue, and then right. sort of maybe in the next issue, focus on like Alana and her world, and the next issue after mm-hmm. that, Marco and his world and the politics, and sort of build it up like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how else they would have done it without sort of making it the beginning a bit slower. Mm-hmm. 
Well, well, we always talk about how they you juggle one to two, whatever, and just again thumbing through, looking mm. at it. I uh, love the little narration by it, it's Hazel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it possible we'll see an issue two that starts to reflect backwards and pulls some of that depth into a new storyline that now here's the seed for this. Mm-hmm. Remember when we told you this? Here's yeah. why we told you this. Yeah, maybe, and that's kind of what I was saying. I feel like I feel like I'm missing like that's half of the I'm, code. That's what I'm expecting. You like, know. The way the way that I thought about it, I mean, I, I read it twice, and I, I definitely see what you're saying. But the one thing that this first issue did for me that a couple of first issues did not is that I felt like I got plenty of book. Oh yeah, for oh. my for my yeah. first issue, absolutely. Because sometimes yes. I'll be reading a first issue and I felt like I got cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like it just it just stops. Mm-hmm. Or there's like there's they saved all the ads for the back of the book, mm-hmm. and it's just like you know. Voop, and then every, and then you know, all the toy companies come out, yeah, and everything. That when I read Saga, it totally gave me like it gave me enough to chew on mm-hmm. that I might have to read it a few times. But because the artistry was so engaging and and the story is so large, like it reminded me of like a Star Wars or like a Mass Effect mm-hmm. universe where there's just gonna be. Like it's it's large. Yeah, it's very large. You yeah. know, and for to get that sense of scope from a first issue, that's usually something you find out over time. Mm-hmm. But to have the first issue like warn you and let you know that you're getting into something that's going to be probably pretty damn big. Yeah, I thought was really really neat. Like it was like this is going to be a book that if you're going to start to read this, you're going to need to mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. Like every issue that comes out is going to be important, and you're you're not going to be able to miss one. Right. Now, Stephanie, it was your pick, so let me just ask you this. Do you think that denseness could actually... Is that a word, denseness? Density. 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 Denseness. Well, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. Uh, Could drive people away? The casual reader who picks it up and says, I can't sort this all out? Definitely. Um, I think that if there's like some casual like readers that just go to a comic book store and they pick up, you know... They pick up Superman and they pick up Batman and then, you know, occasionally they'll kind of be like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll check this out, um, you know, and they just sort of look into it unknowingly. It could be a turnoff to just be like, oh, my God, there is so much going uh, on. Right. But I I think people who are familiar with Brian K. Bond's writing, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I can't really say if you're familiar with Fiona's work because – I mean, she's great, but she hasn't done that much yet. She was the artist for Done to Death. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she still hasn't uh, been mm-hmm. around yes. that yeah. much. Anyways, but if you're familiar with his writing, you'll know his style and you can stick with it and know that there's always a payoff, mm-hmm. a lot of payoff. And it's just, he's such a great writer. And um, I, I do think it'll be daunting to some people, though. Um, I just wanted also to point out that um, as far as Fiona Staples is concerned, I mean, the artwork from Done to Death versus this are drastically different. Oh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's really, really, really cool to see somebody that's that talented be able to make that kind of leap mm-hmm. and have it still look. I mean, it looks like when you have two different art styles that look like you've been polishing them forever, mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. Right. So And she did all the lettering, I believe, as well. Yeah. The whole I um, think the whole book is her. Well, I mean, oh. I just couldn't believe like the colors. I'm um on Alana's wings and stuff, it looks iridescent. Mm. And yes, her it does. hair looks 
iridescent and it just looks so beautiful and she did a great job putting it together and I can't wait to see what else they do together because they seem to be a really great team. Yeah, and I see if I totally agree with you about the kind of introduction into this bigger universe, like a Star Wars Mass Effect kind of situation. I feel that as well. It's very dense. It's very, very dense. And it mm-hmm. feels like there's a lot to mine. My only issue was as an introductory issue, it's tough to make an introductory issue as dense as this one is because if you look at even those great like sci-fi epics like Star Wars, the beginnings are very easy to digest and they give you, they meter out the big stuff and then they go, okay, now you're in. Now we're going to pour on all of this crazy stuff. Right. And and don't get me wrong. I'm going to get next month's issue. I think it's incredibly well-written and I'm excited to kind of figure out what what's going on and kind of get deeper into this world. But I just feel like at times I felt almost like I was reading like a codex about what happened in this world rather than reading a dramatic telling of what was happening in this world. The way that I figure it, and I mean, I could be wrong, but um, I mean, because I know obviously everybody wants to sell books, Mm. but I, I do believe that there's like a certain level of that. There are books that come out that are for casual readers. And Mm -hmm. then there are books that come out for hardcore readers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then there are books that come out, for people that are looking for something exactly like this, mm-hmm. like they're looking for a you know a creator. I, this is not creator owned, right? No, um, it's image. It's image. So it's yeah, image. it is. Okay. But it's, it, images create their own books. That's okay, what they do. But this is like a like a pet project kind of thing. Like oh, they yeah. obviously they've been hyping this up for mm-hmm. a while. This has been like on the cover of like previous magazine as like mm-hmm. the book of the month the whole bit. That like they're aware of their audience. They're aware that it's mm-hmm. going to be a bit of a challenge to get people into their book, but I almost think that that's why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what this book is for, that people like readers like me that like, I, I'm always saying how like as much as I love the superhero books, I like to go off mm-hmm. and I like to get really, really involved in something. This is the kind of book that I could totally immerse myself in, and right. I have a feeling that it's going to pay off. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you know, like, Mass Effect is, like, my favorite thing in the world, and that's as nerdy and as dense as you can almost possibly get, you know? Until Diablo 3 comes Until out. Until Diablo 3 comes out. <laughs> and then I will take the throne. <laughs> it's true. So I, I'm, I'm on board for this. It's just looking at it, you know, that's just the one thing about it that kind of threw me off a little bit. But, um, Steffi, do you have anything, anything less to say before we uh, move on? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, as far as um, readership goes, it already took some flack uh, just for the cover. Fiona hmm. Staples drew yeah. Alana and Marco holding the baby, and Alana was breastfeeding the baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it oh, took yeah. a lot of flack, and I don't know if that'll... That'll only help uh, it, probably. That's ridiculous. Yeah, It'll be on Fox comic News, book fans, why? Well, no, it wasn't even that. It was comic book fans were disappointed that Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples weren't making something that could be enjoyed by all, but... I mean, it kind of steers people away to not get into this book if you're planning on, you know, reading it as a bedtime story for your kids. Right, but I think oh. to Steve's point, though, this book is made for a certain group of people. Oh, it's not yes, made yes, yes, for everybody. So I, I think it's almost better. It's it, it, it's the opposite. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the opposite of the trailer that makes it look like a... A movie that everybody can watch, and they go watch it. And there's cursing. Definitely. This tells I mean, you it as a yeah. good thing. Yeah, yeah. This tells you this book is this. 
So if you are into this, please read it. Well, if this was like a movie trailer, this would be one of those like indie sci-fi's, yeah, like Criterion okay. kind yeah, of thing, another Earth, you know, kind of thing, yeah. yeah, like yeah. you know, really, really bizarre, and um, just the whole the whole setup of it, the fact that it is steeped in kind of like a Romeo and Juliet esque mm-hmm. kind of you know yeah. backstory. Um, it just it has it has all the makings of something that could be really huge. Yeah, and uh, and I th- I think it's going to do really well. Awesome. That's great. Um, so that's it for Book of the Week. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to come right back and talk about uh, DC Animation Nation. Right. We'll yes, that back. that's yeah. it, right? Yeah, that's what it's called, right? I think so. DC Nation. <laughs> Just DC, DC Nation. Nation. Not DC Animation Nation. Nation. DC Nation. But it's all animated shows. So. Sounds like Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Let's just go. Yeah, we'll be right back yeah. to talk about DC Nation. All right, we are back. We're going to talk a little about DC Nation, which is DC's animated block, which airs on Saturday mornings, I believe, from 10 to 11. Could be from 11 to 12. Well, you know, just... <laughs> it's morning. The it's morning. Yeah. Check your local listings. All right. Um, Thank it's going to be different everywhere. <laughs> probably, so. yeah. Probably. Especially in Canada. Yeah, Jesus. All right. Uh, on the panda internet or the yeah. polar bear polar internet. Bear internet. Or... Panda? Panda internet? God, what's wrong with you? They you have them at the zoo, there. though. I don't know. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, we have lots of things at the zoo. Yeah, we have lots of things at the zoo too. So we have ape internet or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Penguin internet. Penguin internet. Penguins. So that was a really bad Morgan Freeman impression. Uh, let's <laughs> move on. Supposed to be Morgan. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I didn't get that. At yeah, all. no, it was horrible. It was atrocious. Um, it's a pigeon internet. Pigeon. Oh hi. Oh, yeah, we don't live in New York yeah, City. Yeah, we don't live in New York City. Yeah, well, it's like the New York area. We could yeah. be seagull internet. We could be seagull uh-huh. internet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pigeon. Um, seagulls are so dirty. They're like the pigeons of the sea. The pigeons <laughs> seagulls. of the sea. They are. They pretty much serve the same purpose to us as pigeons do. Anyway. Rats with wings. Airborne yeah. diseases with yeah. wings. Anyway. Back um, on the ranch. It airs on the Cartoon Network. <laughs> um, <laughs> 10 to 11. And, yes. And what uh, they have, well, basically it's comprised of uh, Young Justice and Green Lantern, the animated series, with kind of interstitial shorts, like that Artman animation thing that Stephanie put up a couple that, weeks ago. That, was, that awesome. was awesome. That's a DC yeah. Nation thing. That's something they, they show. That was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, so they do stuff like that as well. But we're going to be talking about um, Green Lantern and Young Justice. We've all watched the first episode of each. Um, Young Justice is about is going on for about a year now, but Green Lantern aired its premiere like three months ago and that didn't air episode three until i think this week so it took a really long wow. break so wow. it's very odd um but we we watched both of them and i want to talk about them i want to talk about green lantern first because i feel like that's the one we're gonna be less positive about mm. yeah. yeah so yeah. let's talk about green lantern a little bit obviously this was kind of born out of the fact that they thought this movie is gonna be successful and they made this animated show um you know, there's two things by animated shows we need to talk about, much like comic books, right? We need to talk about the way it looks and the, the way the story is kind of mm-hmm. born and, and, and delivered to us. Um, I know, Stephanie, you, you felt very strongly about one aspect of this Green Lantern show. I did. I just felt like the animation was awful. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it was distracting. It took me out of the story. And for a show that's made in this technology-driven era, it looks like it's 
here, here's another reference to reboot everyone it looks <laughs> one step up from reboot which was made like oh my god what's that <laughs> <sighs> so it just was not like it was not appealing to me in mm. a aesthetic sense mm-hmm. i felt exactly the same way we are watching here with bobby and i'm looking at it and it, it, the style is incredibles yeah. Sort of body language, low budget, incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. But uh, very low budget. The still shots would look. Well, the still shots would look great, posted somewhere or in a book. But they actually but, look horrible. But really, but in, <laughs> yeah. in motion, I, I said to you, I used the word wonky. Yeah, it's as if there were frames missing. It mm-hmm. just it wasn't smooth at all. Yeah, so there's it's, no depth to it. No, no yeah, depth. no, there's no depth. And just everybody knows it's a CG animated. 3D cartoon. It's it's not like a, a cell shaded or hand drawn. Has anyone seen uh, the new Dead Space movie, the latest one? No, I haven't seen no. it. Aftermath. I think no. it was called. No. Aftermath was kind of set up um, like the Animatrix or Batman uh, Gotham Knights, where it was several different uh, artists contributing mm-hmm. to one mm-hmm. overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, they the Dead Space Aftermath movie itself in in its in its entirety. What is wrong with me tonight? <laughs> a little um, circuit listening. Yeah, really. Now with words. In its, in its entirety, was very, very good. Once it got rolling, it was very entertaining. But they, for whatever reason, they started off the, the film with the poorest of animation presentation throughout the whole film. Like it was four different artists, I think. And the three following artists were marginally, they kept getting better. Mm-hmm. And they started the film off like I was. I remember watching it, being like, "I hope the whole thing's not like this because right. this looks like garbage." Mm-hmm. And my my problem with the Green Lantern was that we're in outer space. The graphic style and the art style that they're using for this show is really boring. Mm-hmm. It is so boring. Mm-hmm. Kilowog looked awful. I mean, he looked like Kilowog, but just the way that his mouth moved, mm-hmm. it was almost like they couldn't decide what to do with those like protrusions on his jaw. Mm-hmm. They were like folding in, folding out. Um, it was just a very bizarre um, art choice, especially yeah. for something that's as vibrant mm-hmm. as Green Lantern, that you're going to yeah. have all these effects. You're going to have all these things like the ring changing into things. Mm-hmm. You're going to want that like that fine pen work and that really, really those bright inks. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to show off what you can do being like an intergalactic police thing. Yeah. And this had none of that. Mm-hmm. They go inside the ship, the, the, that new prototype mm-hmm. ship that they're flying. That thing looked like it came out of a cereal box. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just... Yeah. The, Actually, you like, fold the box up into the ship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, manual override engage. And mm-hmm. this little steering wheel pops out. And it looks like it came off of like a pirate ship. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I know. I agree with you. Go, go, gadget steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. You know, my problem too is like, you know, the fact that they do a 3D animated show, that's fine. But like the art direction involved is just very flat. Like you're saying, it's just, there's nothing about it. Like the spaces seem empty to me. You know, and because they're having to create all these in a the computer, they're obviously using some sort of like shortcut technique, so it doesn't cost them as much money. So you don't get these really interesting animated vistas or anything. You just get stars. Yeah. With like a rock, you know, yeah. and um, I thought that the kind of uh, interior of the Red Lantern ship 
fared a little bit better because it was darker and had more extreme lighting mm. to it. But still, whenever it was illuminated, it just looked like an. It looked like. You know, if you if you've ever in your life opened up like a 3D animating program, and they're like, "This is the base thing you get." That's what it looked like, you know, mm-hmm. with just some polygons stuck into it. Um, and story wise, to me, it felt like this is very contingent on you knowing, yeah, kind of who the Green Lantern is. It feels very much like this is another story after you've seen the movie. Like, who the hell are the Council? They yeah. don't tell us who they are. No, not in the, no, not in no. the, the it show. Just they don't. What jumps in? Yeah, what's the relationship? I felt like like a kid won't i mean a, a kid watching on saturday morning because they don't want to do their chores or they just want to like sit around in their pajamas will enjoy it mm. yeah, have but some they cereal won't really yeah. know what's going on right yeah and worse to me I, I said this as we were watching it it didn't seem like an opening episode right it's as if you're halfway through in the bad sense where's the grandeur yeah that you'd mm-hmm. want well, to see why why do i want to watch the second one mm-hmm. no i don't want to watch the second one i don't want to watch any more of that even that one yeah yeah, yeah, I thought at the beginning there they were building up like to give the ring to Hal. Mm-hmm. I did and too. And then it just sort of, oh, Hal's already right. got the ring. Yeah, yeah. Lots of dead lanterns, rings yeah. flying all over the, the place. The only thing that I thought was interesting at all was the moments where he was talking uh, with the the female lead character. I don't remember her name. Carol. But- Carol Ferris. Yeah, Carol. Yeah. yeah. Those were like the only real moments where I was like, I felt like a mm-hmm. connection to the character. Otherwise. Like why it's supposed to be the first episode. It's like the thing with the council, the one that was was helping them, was showing them the ship. Like, yeah. Why is he easygoing where everybody else is mm-hmm. kind of stern about this stuff? Like, mm-hmm. what is the history there? Yeah, he's the fun parent. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you know, like we don't get mm-hmm. we don't get any of that. Yeah. It that and that's again very contingent on your knowledge of the Green Lantern because mm-hmm. if you read Green Lantern, you know that Ganthet is kind of the more loose of the Guardians. But to just assume people would know that, I think, is a little bit of a, a weird decision, especially, especially when you're trying especially to kids, especially kids, yeah. and especially trying to launch a property that the Green Lantern isn't as Spider-Man. well known. Spider Man, yeah. you know, you don't they don't have, you don't have this vocabulary with the Green Lantern, and also I think the decision to go with the Red Lanterns, who are a relatively new villain in the universe and who um their dichotomy with the green lanterns like them being like oh there's a red lantern doesn't seem that surprising if it's the first thing you're introduced to in, in, a, in a story it's like okay yeah there are red lanterns they're the first thing we see you know and i think you miss a lot of stuff there's there's the sinestro story is the backbone of the green lantern world it's he's one of the most interesting characters in the DCU yeah. because he has this crazy arc, you know, and to start him, not even, he's not even there. They don't even mention him, you know, and I mean, you thought when you, the beginning, when yeah. you, when like a bad lantern kind of popped there, like, oh, they're leading up to Sinestro. Is and showing from- him in silhouette. Yeah. In sort of what, what could have been red, but could have been sort yeah. of a, a magenta color, whatever yeah. was going on there. I'm an old time Green Lantern reader. The Red Lanterns? Mm-hmm. I, I, I have no rage idea. No clue. Lanterns. They're the yeah, rage. Uh, you know, it's, it's this cold yeah. color rainbow thing. It's there's all these. There's the red. There's the yellow. There's the like the sapphire. There's green know, shamrocks, orange stars. You know, like so lucky it, charms. So it, that, that's what that deal is. But <laughs> I think we all kind of agree that it, it it's not uh, a really enthralling show. Yeah, I wouldn't. Just, I wouldn't. Watch there's it just again. so much no, like either. that just doesn't make any sense to people who don't know anything about Green Lantern. Mm. Oh, you, are you forgetting something? You forgot your lantern. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, why do why, we care? I don't even know why they need, uh, that's their recharge station. Yeah, yeah. until they charge their rings, yeah. 
Except your ship has one big recharge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. powered by one of those things, but yeah. you still need the lanterns and... You know, yeah. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you bring that if that were the case? Doesn't yeah. he know that? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. That's the thing, and it, it's just Bob. You know, you you you're talking to me about it. And you're like, it feels like the middle of a season or something. Yeah. Like the idea that even the oath. You know, at least in the movie, they make a big deal about the oath. It's you know, a they throwaway make, here. They make it a thing, and it's a really it's one of the most affecting things about that movie is the use uh, they use the oath. Um, and they just throw it away in, in like you said in in this story. They just it's completely. Right. And from the art style standpoint, the lack of facial expressions on yeah. these characters. Ah. Okay, if we're not going to have great action sequences, then I want the emotional base. Yeah. Got none of it. The scene you're talking about with Carol and Hal, okay, let's shoot this from an angle so we can't see their face because we can't show you their face because mm. it's hideous. Yeah. We'll just have them yak at each other and yeah. shoot from the, the shoulder. And The dialogue was playful. That was the only reason right. yeah. why, I, why I liked it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I agree. But yeah. you couldn't show what was going on. Well, you could have deepened that scene with... Well, my my thing, like, I'm comparing it to the movie too much because that's really all mm-hmm. I, I got mm-hmm. aside from who, like, whenever Green Lantern is guested in comics that I've been reading, right? But, like their relationship in the film was awful. It was. It, it's not good. Uh, no, it's they have not. no chemistry in the movie I, at all. I, 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 every moment that they were on camera together, I was dying. Yeah, I, <laughs> I felt like I was dying, and at least with the animated, I got more out of that than I did out of any okay. scene that mm-hmm. was in the film, even mm-hmm. though there wasn't much. That's just telling you how much I did not like I Still haven't seen that movie. movie. Right. It has its moments. Yeah. But those scenes in particular, for me personally, were excruciating. It's like the yeah. almost the opposite of the cartoon where like the 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 action stuff in the movie is very dynamic and very, you know, full of life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And this is just dead as far as the action goes. But I just don't understand why you choose this story to launch your thing. I don't think that the moment-to-moment writing is necessarily bad. I don't think the dialogue is bad. I think they have some good nods to Green Lantern lore and stuff. And um, But yeah, the animation style, I don't understand. There, there is no facial expressions like you guys said. It's just, it's just not there. You know what it looked like to me? You know that awful... Uh, is it Flomax commercial with like the Antonio oh, Banderas yes, the B, B? The B. The B? Like that's what it reminded me yeah. of. Like that like that really low rent like commercial <laughs> yeah. 3D animation, you know? And B&B furniture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's just, that stuff, I don't understand why you go with this. I, I definitely had high hopes for this stuff too. I mean, mm-hmm. we grew up with shows like X-Men, the animated series, and mm-hmm. Batman, and they're mm-hmm. still classics. Like yeah. People yeah. still watch them. They still mm-hmm. enjoy them, and you can learn pretty well everything you need to know about those mm-hmm. respective you know, franchises from watching them. Yeah. And this just gives you nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, I was going to text you and be like, did you send me the wrong episode? Like, Because <laughs> I, I thought it was like three episodes in, or yeah. like... Yeah. I, it's just not a good place to start, especially with kids. No, and yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And then, conversely, just to say, like, the, the 3D animated Clone Wars show that's on Cartoon Network as well is the exact opposite of the show. It, it's really well written. The animation is 3D, but beautiful and layered and interesting. And it's just far and away better than the show. But, Bobby, you're gonna... Well, on the point Stephanie made, I brought because I love bringing props. Yeah. Uh, back in my era being a kid, in, in 1966 and 7, Marvel had their little animation block on ABC. Mm-hmm. And it was Spider-Man with that song that everybody knows. And yeah. Hanna-Barbera, with their hideous animation, did Fantastic Four. <laughs> with stories directly from the books, mm-hmm. 
that overcame the fact that the animation was occasionally lips and arms moved and bodies and, ble- and backgrounds stayed in shape, but they had great voice acting and great stories, and it overcame the mm-hmm. limited animation. So if you have one that doesn't work, the other half of it has to be stellar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here, we didn't have that. You, you, you had a great story and all great dialogue. Maybe we could have said, all right, uh, yeah, I, I can deal with what's going on here, mm-hmm. but you couldn't. So the whole thing collapses under the weight of heightened expectations, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, does anybody else anything they want to say about Green Lantern before we move on? Don't watch it unless you're five. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, Seventy. That's that closes that. Um, but moving on to I think for well, for me at least, which is kind of the antithesis of what Green Lantern is, is Young Justice. Yay! Which Yay. is sort of like a um, if you're not familiar with it, is sort of like a Teen Titan situation. Mm-hmm. It's um, Robin, Aqualad, uh, Speedy, Kid Flash. Hey. Um, is that the is that the core for the and Superboy is. Yeah. is um, is in it as well. And then we get a new character at the very end of this episode, which is a year ago. So it's Mar- Martian Manhunter's niece. Miss Did you Martian. say Red Arrow too? Uh, Speedy. Speedy. Speedy is his name. Oh, okay. He's a douche. Yeah, he's a douche. Yeah. He's yeah. Actually, and he's actually voiced by the guy who voiced Spider-Man in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so this is a story about these group of sidekicks who are being brought up to be like... Don't their call them sidekicks. <laughs> brought up to be their own team. Um, by the Justice League and this first episode they kind of are get a rent thrown in because Justice League is like hey here's our library and just stay here keeping sidekicks and they kind of go off on their own mission don't they know that that's a test yeah <laughs> you know what you know how, what are you going to do but it's oh, this is traditionally animated 2D mm-hmm. animated um, so let's talk about this Bob what did you think of Young Justice absolutely loved it mm-hmm. every character gets a moment mm-hmm. and true to form Nothing out of, out of character. Great depth of character. Wonderful mystery. Mm-hmm. Good villains. Mm-hmm. Something for the next time. A hook to hang on. The light. What that's going on. Who those people are. We don't know yet. You want to know more. Mm-hmm. But you don't feel unsatisfied not knowing the full plot yet. It's, oh, I, I want to go here. Mm-hmm. The whole Justice League shows up. 47 of them or however yeah. many at the end yeah. of this episode. Yeah. But great action sequences, the choreography and geography of it, you're never lost. Mm. Just flat out a great piece of animation. Awesome. Steve, what do you think? Uh, I liked it a hell of a lot better than Green Lantern, that's for (laughs) sure. Um, As Bob was saying, I liked that it showcased each character at some point in the show, which is something that you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to start talking about it. I can make comparisons to Green Lantern, but I won't. No, (laughs) Go ahead and do it. I mean, they're they're part of a block. Kilowog. Mm-hmm. Kilowog is a really, really cool character. Or at least I like. I watched uh, Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. He is not. No, he's an awesome character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kilowog's an awesome character. We didn't get to see him do anything. We got to see him pack a lunch. <laughs> you know, like he brought the lantern. Don't forget to you know yeah. forest fires mm-hmm. or whatever, and that that was it. <laughs> you know, and with with Young Justice though, like I didn't. I Aqualad. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Aqualad. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I didn't know he existed. Like mm-hmm. those little like uh, like water sword. Yeah, beams, that's really cool. Yeah. Like the manipulation of the water mm-hmm. was so cool. Like that sequence of him um, rescuing the the. Scientists from the fire, yeah, was really cool. Yeah, cooler than anything that Green Lantern yes, had absolutely. to offer. You yeah. know, um, I definitely thought he was. I was like, "What? Why does this guy look like Blade?" Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice the gills on his neck until like really through the episode. Mm, yeah, um, I didn't realize that's what they were until Aquaman showed up. <laughs> nah, 
But um, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was um, a little bit of a like a typical setup of like bring the kids in, show mm-hmm. them the, the ropes, or not even show them the ropes, and mm-hmm. then just leave them to their own devices, and then you know stay put. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stay put. They never stay put. They're kids, right? Right. But um, I don't know that it's exactly something that I would tune into every week, mm-hmm. but it is most certainly something that I would buy when it comes out on DVD, mm-hmm. like the whole season mm-hmm. is out. Because it looks like it would be something that you're going to want to tune in each week because mm-hmm. the episodes are going to be like, they're going to leave you with cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Or at least what I watched, it, yeah, just, yeah. Like, it just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, instead of... Being like, you know, with the whole Green Lantern, because that was also an abrupt mm-hmm. uh, ending yeah. that I was just kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that was, all right, let's see what the other one, because I watched Green Lantern first. Yeah. And then when I watched Young Justice, I was like, I actually want to know where this goes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, and I, I actually, I take it back. I probably will find out when it's on. Maybe I'll DVR it or something. Yeah. Saturday mornings at either 1030 or 1130. <laughs> um, and I liked, I liked Robin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. thought the I thought the Robin character they got they got him pretty. He's snarky. Mm-hmm. He's nimble mm-hmm. and he's a little bit of a wise ass. Yeah, but he's not a brat. Yeah, no. Yeah. So thumbs up. He's that. also kind of a freaking genius, which I really like a lot. You know. Oh, I love the the bit with uh, you know. Oh, it's the same thing as the back computer. Yeah, and you yeah. gotta love the buttons in animated cartoons <laughs> where they're just blank, <laughs> huge tray of buttons, and they they're not labeled. Yeah. But everybody knows which button is which on this gigantic grid. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, he's like, I'll go through the back end. He's pressing the same exact buttons he pressed before, and he's yeah. magically in. Yeah. Well, I he's know. He's trained in blank buttonry. <laughs> <laughs> and he has that awesome like arm thing. Yeah, no, yeah. it was yeah. it was cool. It was yeah. definitely cool. It um, reminded me, oh God, it reminded me of something. I can't. Put, I'll I'll come back to me. I'll figure okay. it out. Teen Titans. Yeah, well, it did remind me a lot of Teen Titans. Yeah, actually, because I watched, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the the, the little yeah yeah Teen Titans. I've yeah. only seen bits and pieces of it, but it totally reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie, what did you think of it? Um, I watched Green Lantern first, mm-hmm. so I mean. That put my expectations of DC Nation pretty freaking low. <laughs> and um, I put this on and I loved the animation style. I loved uh, the dialogue. I loved the story. And I loved where it was going. The characters are kind of annoying at times. Speedy's a dick. But, uh, <laughs> he really is a dick. They're yeah. teenagers. They're, yeah. that's, we were a lot more here. like that. I thought that we were going to go to the mall. <laughs> what if I stamp my feet a lot? Um. It just it was it was fun. I liked I liked everything about it. I, I I don't think I would follow it week to week like Steve said. I think I would be more prone to picking it up and watching it all in one go. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm definitely curious to see where it goes. As long as maybe Speedy gets an attitude adjustment, it's got to go to bad fast camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that moment where you know they're they're walking up to the Hall of Justice and all the people are kind of like talking about them. They're like, "Oh, it's it's Boy Flash." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, "No, it's Speedy." It's like, "That's Kid Green, Flash. that's Green Arrow's psychic." That doesn't make any sense, you know. And I like that that comment on the names and I like it's smart, it's quick, it's funny. You know, obviously, <laughs> why are people never just whelmed? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I like the fact, you know, let's be fair, like I think that especially Steve, me, Steve, and Stephanie consider Batman the Animated Series very highly in our like what oh, we yeah. consider like the best animated superhero mm-hmm. shows. You know, and so everything to my mind always gets like instantly compared 
to that show whenever I'm watching a superhero show. Yeah. And it's not that same. I don't think it's that same level as Batman the Animated Series. And I just, I don't think it's trying to be that. I don't think it's trying to be as serious, obviously, as Batman the Animated Series was. Um, but obviously, I haven't been watching this whole run, so it could get there, you know. Um, but I think the animation is really great. I think that it really behooves the show to be a 2D animated show. Just they can do so much more, you know, and. Um, I like that little, they do this little like ghosty laugh with Robin when he kind of like is either attacking a villain or like getting away from people. And I think that's a really nice touch and they show off Aqualad's powers really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I've watched a couple more episodes than the one we've seen and they do really cool stuff with Kid Flash. And I like that he's kind of a brash Kid, I mean, he's Wally West. He's the Wally West version. Was so that, the, that was the first episode we watched, right? Yeah, it was the first and second. It's like a two part pilot. Oh, because I only saw the first. Thing. No, it's one big episode, oh. but they listed it as one and two. Like, but it's one big episode. Interesting. It ends. Sorry, it ends with them in like that other base, right? And the Martian yeah. girl comes. Yeah. No, I didn't, oh, get I didn't to see, see that. that. You didn't see that, really? No, I didn't see that either. Oh, weird. No, I told. I texted you earlier. Yeah. I'm like, it cut off. Oh, that's weird because they do end without credits. That's why I thought you meant. But no, that's both, really weird. No, both both shows, Green Lantern oh, and weird. Young Justice, I felt were cut off for me. That's weird. Like, yeah, they just, they that's just actually stopped. what I felt. Too. Oh, weird. Yeah, right. They didn't upload correctly then because I, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I shared they, a file. They with you guys. totally got cut off. Weird. I'll have to give you the the full episode then. Yeah. Um, because we watched the same thing that I uploaded, but um. There's a I, I really enjoyed just the the way the characters interacted with each other. I like the appearance of you know Superboy. I like that what he kind of means and how he kind of is different than everything else. But um, I'm I, I'm really excited to to actually watch more of Young Justice because I think it's really interesting. One thing I thought was really funny was when they were giving everybody their numbers. Like Flash was number four, right? Like zero four, mm-hmm. Batman was zero two, mm-hmm. and I guess Superman zero one. Mm-hmm. And there was like the Red Thunder. Something was like it was like one six. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, <laughs> gotta gotta climb up that totem pole there. Yeah. Thunder is pretty funny. Well, he's a late edition. Red Tornado, right? Yeah, Red but Tornado. Now, that's yeah, him. Yeah, who's an android, not the old lady. Um, but it's nice to see that. If you're going to bring all this Justice League stuff together, mm-hmm. down the road, the, the ability to have really deep storylines, tie everything together. We already, we have the junior Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. You saw Captain Marvel there. So there could be, there is mm-hmm. a Captain Marvel Jr. Mm-hmm. We have Zatara, the father of Zatanna. Mm-hmm. So th- I don't know how, we're a year into this? A year into it now, yeah. There are another 10 characters, potentially, hanging right. out that we could go for. Which would be great. I mean, I, I think it's a really well-written show, and, and, and it's miles above the Green Lantern show in my book. I'd say that's yeah. a definite watch. And, if, I mean, if you have kids who like superheroes, I mean, I think that it's it's great. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah it's, it's Green perfect. Lantern will pretty well only get watched if, like, some kid's in his pajamas, and he knows his parents told him he has to go do something after <laughs> Young Justice. And he's like, but I don't have anything to do until then. So he'll watch Green Lantern just to be able to watch Young Justice right after. Green right. Lantern reminds me of something that your parents will pick up not knowing what to buy you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'll put it on in the in the family van mm-hmm. that you can watch it while you're like driving to the mall or something. Are we there yet? Yeah. But I mean, as far as like consciously sitting down to mm-hmm. watch Green Lantern, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, me neither. No. Nope. I think we're all pretty much in agreement. So thumbs up on Young Justice and thumbs down on Green Lantern. 
Um, and actually, in a couple weeks, uh, Marvel is debuting their animation block on Disney XD with uh, the first season of Ultimate Spider-Man and the second season of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So I think we're also going to attack that in a couple weeks to talk about how we we compare those two. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man is being made uh, both by in conjunction with Marvel and Disney and with the guys who made Ben 10. And uh, which is a very popular cartoon mm-hmm. show, and Earth Night Heroes obviously has been on for a year, and it's a Marvel produced show. But which I still haven't seen. You should watch it. I know it's on I'm Netflix. Gonna, I'm gonna buy it. Do it. You can just I watch it all on it. Netflix. Um, it's awesome. It's a great show, and uh, so I'm excited about talk about that later. But um, I'm excited that everybody watched Young Justice because I actually had watched this pilot a couple of months ago and had been like, oh, this is really great, and it's really nice to hear like people um, kind of their reactions to it um so we that's it for our topic um yeah. we're, we're gonna get into uh this week's releases which I'm is excited about this it's a pretty big week it's a pretty big week so i'm gonna get my woots ready <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna start um with boom studios because we have adventure time number two yeah coming out. i didn't know that Sweet. yeah there you go um so that's big i knew you and exile on the planet uh, on the planet of the apes number one of four only reason i read that out is because the last Planet of the Apes series that came out was very, very well received and oh. well reviewed, so I figured I'd mention it. Um, we have Buffy the Vampire. This is, this is Dark Horse. Buffy the Vampire Slayer season nine, number seven. Sweet. Conan the Barbarian number two. Uh, Dark Matter number three of four. So that that series is almost done. Um, Lobster Johnson and the Burning Hand number three. What a great title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Orchid number five. And then we have uh, a couple Star Wars books. Star Wars, Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, number four. Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, War, number three. And Strain, number four. Nice. Um, DC Comics, we have Batgirl, number seven. We have Batman and Robin, number seven. Yay. We have Batwoman, number seven. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We have Deathstroke, number seven. Boo. Boo. We have Demon Knights, number seven. Yay. I'm still excited about it though. Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number seven. Yeah. Green Lantern, number seven. Grifter, number seven. Yeah. Legion Lost, number seven. Mr. Terrific, number seven. Bleh. My Greatest Adventure, number six of six. Um, Ray, number four of four. We have Resurrection Man. Man. It's not the same without Brian. <laughs> it's true. Number seven. We have Saucer Saucer Country. I am very one. much looking forward to that. I will be picking that up today. All right. Shade number six of 12. Um, we have Suicide Squad number seven, Superboy number seven, and Unwritten number 35. Um, from Dynamite, we have Dark Shadows number four. We have Garth Innes's The Ninjets number two. We have Nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. We have no mare, no mare man, nowhere man number two. No mare man. No mare man. No mare man. Listen, no mare man. (laughs) (laughs) We have a warlord of Mars number sixteen from IDW, which I think is uh, who 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 slagged IDW? Was it you? Or is it Stephanie? What about IDW? It might have been me. Was yeah, she slagged I, I revoked, IDW I is dislike. awesome. <laughs> AR is awesome. I was Lock being mean. Key, I was being man. cranky. Cam. Come on. Um, we Out have, of sight. We have Doctor Who number 15. We have Godzilla Legends number 5. We yeah. Have, <laughs> we have Infestation 2, G.I. Joe number 1. Ugh. We have, uh, oh, Bob, we have John Burns Classic Next Men Volume 3 trade paperback. 
big and the new issue of Next Men Aftermath. We have Lock and Key Clockworks number five. Sweet. We have uh, Star Trek 100 Page Spectacular. <laughs> we have Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number three. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> And that is the end of IDW. We have Image, Activity number four. Artifacts number 15. We have Glory number 23. Oh, that's the second printing. Sorry, Glory number 24 is out this month. Um, We have Marksman number six. We have Peter Panzerfaust number two. We have Saga number one. Um, Yeah, yeah. What the hell was that? And we have Thief of Thieves number two can't wait to read that um so from marvel here we go we have avengers number 24 which i'm sure bob is very excited for um <laughs> and we have a new avengers book written by brian michael bendis uh avengers assemble <laughs> number one uh with art by mark bagley so Give i'm in. actually excited about that one i'm still buying temporarily uh we have battle scars number five of six we have captain america number nine there we go we have Carnage USA, number four of five. Yeah. That I'm excited about. Doc and Dark Wolverine, number 22. We have um, Fantastic Four, number 604. Woot. We have Incredible... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Incredible Hulk, number six. We have Journey into Mystery, number 635. So I've actually been reading The Journey into Mystery, and it's been, it's been very good. Um, we have North Hanger Abbey, number five of five. What? Fight. It's based on a Jane Austen book. No. Yeah. Yes. Zombies? No. <laughs> That's too bad. Just like a straight adaptation of Jane Austen. Uh, too bad. Um, Powers. They did a ton of those, though. Yeah, they do do a bunch of them. Um, Powers, number nine. Punisher, number nine. Scarlet Spider, number three, which I'm excited about. We have Superheroes, number 24. It's a very plain <laughs> sounding book. Um, Ultimate Comics, X-Men, number nine. We have Wolverine and the X-Men, number seven. X-23, number 21, which is the final issue. Uh, we have X-Men Legacy, number 263. Um, and then from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 68, uh, Neverland Hook, number 4, and Charmed, number 19. All right. So that's it for this big, week's releases. <laughs> it's a There's a week. lot of them. There is. My throat kind of hurts. I'm going to be dropping a lot of money uh, today. You should probably just spend it. No, just don't drop it. Because they don't, they won't you find know it. What I Pick mean. it up. Don't get cute with me. <laughs> <laughs> Bat your eyelashes. Do it. You can't see it. It's a podcast. Well, you can bat in my eyelashes. Flutter, flutter. <laughs> we'll dub in a sound effect. Wait, 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 Stephanie. Give us your voice for batting your eyelashes. <laughs> oh well, I can't do it again. <laughs> it's uh, a one of one of a kind. Oh, say I'm sorry. Well, if you feel it later, we'll do it. Um, so if you guys enjoy the show, please uh, review us on iTunes, uh, Talking Comics, and um, subscribe to the show. It's the easiest way to get it. You just hit one button and you get it every single time. Um, if you want to find our reviews, uh, talkingcomicbooks.com. We don't just do a podcast. We also write reviews, columns, etc. Um, you can find uh, Bob's rantings about uh, <gasps> Brian Michael Bendis on there. It's called it was a rant. Avengers it's... Assessment. What's wrong with the Avengers? Mm-hmm. Um, we have reviews of Saga, number one up there. We have Monocyte, number three, correct? Yeah, which was fucking awesome which is up there um and obviously we do reviews of all the big books um from the from dc and marvel as well um 
And if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, at Talking Comics, obviously, is a very short form, instant way to get in touch with us. And if you want a little longer form, info at TalkingComicBooks.com. Um, Stephanie, are you okay? Did you fall? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My cat's decided to take this moment to go mental. <laughs> All right. Well, good thing I have in the, let's have it at the end of the show. Just doesn't want the show to it's be over. It's still happening. I can hear it. I know. I'm just going to skip over it. <laughs> If we talk enough, we will be able to hear it. Um, so that's it for Talk Comics for this week. For Steve. Yo, yo. Bob. Ciao. Stephanie. Uh, bye. <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>